Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Andrew Boyd. This is the year of the Lord's favour. He's spoken that favour over us and he is never, ever going to withdraw it. That's astonishing. Just as the sun comes up every morning, can you think of a morning when it didn't in your lifetime? Whenever. Can you think of one? Never. That sun has always come up every morning. It may go down, but it will come up. God is faithful and his goodness, his mercies and his goodness are new every morning to you. You can trust in it. You can stake your life on it. You can rely on it. His goodness will always be there for you. So I'm just going to read this wonderful passage of Scripture. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Who is this about? It's about Jesus. It's about Yeshua. And where are you? You are in Christ. So these words are about him, and they are about you in Christ, because we are called by him to do the same things on this earth that Jesus did. So when we read this amazing passage, and there's that other beautiful passage which we read around Christmas time, Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, in Christ, these things are true of you too. So when we read them, we read them about him and we read them about us. This is our calling. This is our mandate, and he is our strength to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, that is you, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Come on! That's not done quietly. That isn't done in the dark. Freedom! Come on! And release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, God is dealing with the enemy, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. This is his compassion and the compassion we're called to, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, not as well as instead of, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And they, you, will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. What God says of his son, Jesus in proclaiming this and announcing this all of those years before it happened. Isaiah gets a glimpse of the future and he says, God's favor, whatever is happening now, God's favor has been proclaimed from heaven to earth. And then the angels brought the message to the shepherds and to Mary and to others. And that message is ours today, that this is the year of God's favor for you. He doesn't withhold it. He doesn't say earn it. He doesn't say if you're good enough. He proclaims his favor 
Nothing can silence that word which has gone out from heaven to earth and resounds around the earth. We walk in the favor of God. Norton, you're walking in the favor of God every day, even on the days when you think, oh my, what did I say? What did I do? Oh, Lord, you're still walking in his favor. Wow, fantastic. So let's continue to walk in it. We have an enemy, and he's a bad lot, frankly. When he tries to hand you a moth-eaten, smelly old, unwashed, tatty jacket and say, look, this belongs to you, you say to him, no, God has given me beauty instead of ashes, not as well as. That's finished with, and I will not take that. I will not wear that. I will not walk in that because I'm a child of God and I stand in him and I stand in his finished work. This finished work is the work that we stand in by the grace and mercy of God, utterly undeserved. What a privilege to be involved in his work, which he could do far better without me and you. (laughs) Frankly, really, yeah, what a privilege that his love says, come on, I've given you good stuff. I've given you a heart of compassion. I've given you the same heart and concern that I have. Now go and give that away. And make sure that you walk in the freedom that he's paid for with his blood for you. We must walk in the freedom that he gives us. We have an enemy who says, these are your grave clothes. These belong to you. Well, our news for him is that I have died and I have risen in Christ. I am born again and I have no part in the grave and these clothes do not belong to me and I will not wear them. We need to walk in that. These are our choices. Jesus, after he raised Lazarus, said, what did he say? What did he say after he raised Lazarus? Take, unbind him, take off the grave clothes. Absolutely right. So he got others to take the grave clothes off Lazarus, the Lazarus barely able to take off himself. Now, I need some volunteers. I've primed some volunteers at the back. Can I have my volunteers, please? Saren, can I have my props, please? Brilliant. Okay, brilliant. Children, would you like to come forward? Come on, come on forward. Are there any other children who can come forward? Come on forward. Now, look, I need a volunteer to be Lazarus. I think it's going to have to be, I think it's going to have to be you because you've got a push-up bar for Christmas, okay? For no other reason than that, he needs to be Lazarus. Is that okay? Good man. Now, I should have to say to you what that means... Well, you'll wait and see. Okay, now listen, Lazarus. Lazarus had died, and Jesus knew he was going to die. He died. He died in order that Jesus could come and demonstrate the glory of God and do such a deep work in their hearts. You know, what we see, we remember. I want you to watch something and remember it. Okay, how many children have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I said we should have bought more loo rolls. Okay. These are bandages for Lazarus. Can you two share, please? 
can you two share, please? That's you two. Poor old Lazarus. You guys have got to do a good job with him. What you need to do with him, have you seen... You probably haven't, you're too young. And, and your parents would never wa let you watch films about the mummy. No, they wouldn't. Of course... Oh, really? Okay. Now, what... Well, then, brilliant. So you need to know what to do. We are binding up Lazarus, okay? I want you to bind him up completely so that he can't see, so that he can't move. Go wrap those bandages. These are bandages. Wrap them round Lazarus. We've got plenty of them. Come on. You just need to be able to breathe. Let his, keep his nose free so he can breathe. <laughs> Otherwise, we will have to raise him up. <laughs> Which wasn't planned. <laughs> Come on, keep it coming. There's loads of loo roll there. I want all of that loo roll used. Really? How are you doing, Lazarus? All of it. All of it. Absolutely all of it. I found that almost every loo roll I could find in our house, nobody's allowed to go to the loo until we buy some more. <laughs> that goes round Lazarus. Try not to put it around the guys that are binding him up. <laughs> come on, come on, loads and loads of... Just run around him with those loo rolls. Oops, everybody's getting caught up here. Well done, keep his nose clear. Look at that. <laughs> Did a what? Quilted paper. Quilted paper. Yeah. I was thinking we should have got that one that's very strong and very long. It's <laughs> <laughs> Waitrose finest loo roll, Richard. Come on, keep him coming. How's he doing? Right, while you're doing that, I'm just going to read out a bit of the story of Lazarus. So Jesus, deeply moved, not because he's worried about Lazarus, but because he's moved by the pain that his friends are going through. Deeply moved, moved to tears. He came to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. So he said, take away the stone. And Martha, sister of the dead man, very practical lady, she says, but Lord, he's been there four days. He's going to smell terrible by this time. He's going to smell really, really bad. And then Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I don't know what Martha would have thought what a mixture of feelings she'd have been having at that time. So they took away the stone. 
him. <laughs> How we do? There's still loads of loo roll left. Okay, one more minute. One more minute of mad loo roll putting on. Norton, it's one of those mornings when you think, I should have bought my camera. <laughs> Excellent, Viv. Okay. I think we'll stop there. You've done a brilliant job. Lazarus, stay where you are for the minute. So you know what happens next, don't you? Are we finished? Let's stop with the loo rolls now. I think we've got enough. You've done a great job of mummifying Lazarus there. Can you still breathe? He's still standing. That's good. So then, so now I think two miracles happened here. First of all, Jesus raises him from the dead. That's pretty good, right? And the next thing is that somehow he comes forth. I don't know how that could happen. So if we say to you, mind yourself, you might fall over. Lazarus, come forth, can you? <laughs> what a sight, honestly. Well, well, okay, and stop, Lazarus. Brilliant. Now the poor guy... He's been raised from the dead. That is fantastic. He's shuffling forward thinking, what is going on here? Martha said, Lord, he's been in this grave for four days. He's going to stink. When God raises someone from the dead, I tell you, they don't stink. They smell wonderful. I'm saying that by faith because I haven't got much experience of this. He is not going to smell, right? But there is a possibility that those grave clothes do. So we need to get rid of those grave clothes. Lazarus, can you get yourself out of that? Oh, good man. Now help him out. There's some that he can do, and there's some that you can do for him. Saren, could you bin line of those, please? Brilliant. Come on, give Lazarus a round of applause. Very good. Thank you. And could you sit down again, please? And I will endeavour to continue while Saren clears up the mess. I saw this in Iraq as a child was wrapped up in loo roll and released. And I've never forgotten it. And I hope you won't forget it too. But I want to ask you a serious question. What grave clothes does the enemy still hold out to you today and say, these belong to you? Put them on. Doubt. Doubt. That's interesting. That's interesting. 
I wasn't actually asking for a full confession here, Frank, but I mean, I appreciate that. That's great. Um, they might be along the lines of accusations, because that's what the enemy loves to do. He accuses. Our failings, he waves in front of our face, and we don't like the smell of them. They smell like dirty grave clothes. Our weaknesses. And what he says to us is, there you go again. You've done that again. You've done that again. How long have you been a Christian? When were you born again? When were you filled with the Spirit? And how long have you been stuck with this? Here's the jacket. Put it on. No, thank you. This is the way he works. First of all, he tempts us to sin. And then if we fall for it, he accuses us of what we've done. And then later he reminds us of it. And later he condemns us for it. It's a little bit like dealing with a gang of thugs. One of them turns up and then they're all around you, nudging you, jostling you, prodding you, accusing you, condemning you. And this stuff can go on and it all smells of grave clothes, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're all going to be different. There are going to be different things, but there's... There's sometimes there's a sense that there's a bad smell that's just hanging about. And that actually we know as Christians this does not belong to us. And we need to deal with it. We need to refuse it. Well done, Andy. You've refused it. Absolutely right. I'd just like you just to think for a second about for you, what are the grave clothes the enemy tries to put on you? He's very clever. Because what he does is he says, this is what you're like. This belongs to you. And he reminds us of it and he rubs our noses in it. So Lord, we're asking you now, because you're the one who sets us free, just to remind us of any voice of continual accusation or voice of doubt, which is not yours, that has dogged us like old, smelly grave clothes. We're just asking you to do that, Lord. We're not going to examine ourselves. We're asking you to do that. What the enemy does is he points to our track record. And what we must do is set our eyes on Jesus and point to what Jesus has done. We must get our eyes off ourselves. So when the enemy holds out grave clothes and says, these belong to you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Then get feisty with him. We're not polite, we're bullies. Come on, you stand up to bullies. That's the only way to deal with them. Get feisty with them. And just tell them you are a liar. Because I have died with Christ. I have been risen with Christ. I am born again, and you have no place in my life. And I will not wear that accusation. Amen. I'm forgiven. I'm called. I'm chosen. Jesus has raised me from the dead. And it works like this, because Jesus gave his life for you, and you gave your life for him. You gave your life to him. It means you're forgiven, you're born again, and you live for Jesus.
That is the new life he gives us. He's with you and you are with him. So when an enemy surrounds you like a gang, pushing and shoving and accusing, can you just imagine that now? It's a little gang around going dig, dig, dig. First thing to do, who's tall in this room? You're tall. Come here for a second, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Yeah. I know Tom's tall. Tom's tall, but I don't want him to be typecast. Okay? So if I've got a gang of, a gang of thugs prodding me with their half-truths, because it's always half-truths, you did this, didn't you? These belong to you, don't they? What I need to do, the first thing I need to do is get my eyes off me and my track record and look to him. Because he's with me. <laughs> he's with me. And I tell you, we are bigger together than this bunch of thugs who are doing the jostling and the pushing. So I take hold of him because he's always taken hold of me. And we push them out of the way and we move forward. Push them out of the way. You all right? Well done. Thank you. Well done. Very good. Do you get that picture? It's actually a bit aggressive, and we need to be a bit aggressive. We need to be, because the year of the Lord's favor, that one line in there which we tend to skip over is that he's proclaimed the year of vengeance on his foes. Are you too polite for that? You're too polite for that, Isabel? In the natural. We're not talking about people. We're not, if your husband says so, so, you must be. We're, we're not talking about people here. We're talking about the enemy. Yeah. And we never take vengeance on people, okay? I'm saying that for the tape because you can't see my face. I'm smiling. <laughs> this is a smile. But with the enemy, get feisty with him. The word says if you do not stand in your faith, you will not stand at all. We have to learn to stand in our faith and walk in our faith. Point one, get your eyes off you when the enemy comes to tempt you, bring doubt, bring accusation, whatever it is. Get your eyes off you and your track record. It's irrelevant. Is the sun going to rise tomorrow? Yes, it will. Why? Because God is faithful and God is good and he's proclaimed his favor over you. Amen. Blow your track record. Amen. Who cares? doesn't matter. It's not counted against you, except by the accuser. He's the only one. Don't take it on. Don't take the smelly jacket back on because he gives you beauty instead of ashes. Yeah. Praise and joy are what he gives you instead of what the enemy tries to hand back to you saying, actually, these belong to you. No, they don't. And have you noticed that it's often what we've been set free from that brings freedom to other people. Steve, can we have that slide? It's a combination of two versions here. I will walk about in freedom, Lazarus breaking out of the bandages and being helped to, because actually we need to be helped to. I will walk about in freedom, for I seek to follow your every command. Lord, I love you. Where else am I going to go but with you? And it's that choice to walk with God that keeps us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And sometimes 
we may think that freedom is freedom from trouble. What did Jesus say about trouble? Yeah. In this world, you will have what? And then he says what? But take heart. He says, take heart, Andy. I've overcome the world and I'm with you. We are not going to be spared trouble. But we have one who goes with us in all of that. We must get our eyes off ourselves. We must get our eyes on him. We must take hold of him and we must press through. We must not just stand but walk with him when we go through these things. And he says in the same verse, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. The enemy's continual lie is to say you're not in him, you're in your track record. You're in sin. It's a lie. It's a lie. God has dealt with that. God has dealt with that. So walk in Christ. And then we walk about in freedom in Christ. The Bible tells us to count it all joy when troubles come to our door because God is working on the one thing that really matters in our lives, our characters. It's the one thing that really matters. It takes time for that irritating grit in the oyster to be turned into a pearl. Anybody got pearl earrings on today? or You've got a, a bit of pearl around your neck there, Saren, mother of pearl. It takes time. It takes time for that to happen. And when there's trouble, we need to take hold of the one who is our peace. I'd like to play you a story of somebody called Melanie whose life was turned around. I spent most of my life knowing who God was, but I didn't meet Jesus until I was 40. 10 years, I was about 10 years old, when I noticed something was different about our family. That alcohol was a really big part of it. I started drinking and smoking pot when I was about 12 years old. It was all I had seen, you name it. I was trying to fill my life with anything because there was just so much emptiness there that I never really got rid of. I met a guy who was about 10 years older than me, and I ended up getting pregnant. And I went in on Valentine's Day and and ended up having an abortion. And it was probably one of the most frightening, awful experiences of my life. I ended up meeting a guy who I thought I was in love with, and I ended up getting pregnant again. We ended up getting married. And it was awful from the start. It was awful from the start. The marriage lasted about two years, and then we split. I ended up going through two more marriages. I felt like I was just trying to fill my life with something. That empty hole that I had when I was little, I was trying to fill with whatever I could. So marriage to me just seemed like the natural answer. I was 25, and I remember my dad coming to me. He had just recommitted his life to Christ. He came to me one day with a Bible in his hands, and he said, you know what, Melanie? 
I really don't want to go to heaven and know that I'm not going to see you there. I remember just being so mad. I was like, what are you talking about? And I threw that Bible down, and I don't think I picked it up again for another 10 years. On November 18th, 2008, my dad passed away of a massive heart attack. We had found out a month before that my mom had cancer. And by this time, marriage number three had ended. Everything fell apart. I remember hitting my knees and just saying, God, you know what? If you're real, I really need you right now. I remember saying, you know what? Jesus, my life is yours because I've made a mess of everything that you gave me. And I've burned my life into the ground. But you know what? I have read in your Bible that you can make beauty from ashes. And so that's exactly what he did. He took all of that mess and all of that awful stuff and started to turn that around for me. And the awesome thing was is I started praying for my mom. I started praying that, well, first, that she would stop drinking. But second, I started praying that God would change my heart towards her. So I think I started seeing it more from her perspective and realizing that I could love her even if things didn't change. Even if she was still drinking, I could still love her for who she was. It's been almost two years now, two and a half years, um, since my mom stopped drinking. And that is a miracle of God in and of itself. She stepped up and she recommitted her life to Christ and God healed her and has been sober now and working incredible things in her life. So through all of this, I now have an amazing relationship with my mom. I have an amazing godly man who loves me more than anything and loves my children that aren't his, but that he's stepped up and has taken in to his own life and said, I'm gonna raise these kids as my own. Probably the best thing that I have is that I get to go home to heaven and see my dad. And he doesn't have to wonder whether or not I'm gonna be there next to him. Because he never, throughout all the time that he was committed and I was walking away, he was loving Jesus and he was loving me and I was walking away from him and he had to watch his child do all of these horrible things, these self-destructive things. He died without ever knowing that that was gonna change. I know that there are so many people out there who have to watch their children go through awful things or have to watch a spouse go through awful things or have to watch a friend go through awful things. But those little seeds that you plant, those words that you share today, that love that you extend to somebody else doesn't return void. And the amazing thing is, is that looking back on it now, I can see that God was walking with me all along. That there were times when I felt really, really alone. There were times when I didn't think anybody cared. But I look back on it and I see him always being there for me, either in the face of a friend trying to share God with me, 
or my dad showing me what God's love. God was there all along in those people that I met along the way. And those seeds that were planted grew into something amazing. It's called this beautiful life that I have right now, and I'm so thankful for it. God's goodness never fails. You know, we sang that right at the beginning. So as, as people who go through this world and who will face trouble in this world, let's be clear, we stand against sickness, which is not from God. We stand against the work of the enemy, which does not belong to us. We will not take back the grave clothes, which the Lord has removed from us, including the smell of them. They're gone. But let's not always rush to ask God to change our circumstances when the sovereign Lord is often at work in our circumstances to change our hearts. It, we need wisdom. When you go through trouble, where's it come from and what's its purpose? We need wisdom. It's not simple. It's not cut and dried. But what we do know is that we have a God who walks through the fire with us, who goes through the storm with us, who is faithful, whose goodness never, ever fails, whose smile towards you will never be wiped off his face because he's proclaimed the year of his favor to us. So when trouble comes our way, let's do what it says in James. The first thing we do is we submit to God, then we resist the enemy. Lord, what are you saying? What work are you trying to do in my life? And where we need to resist the enemy, absolutely, and do it in a feisty way. Don't mess about with him. Just don't mess about with him. Press on. Don't just stand. Walk on. Push through. Keep going. God is working on our hearts. And you know, one of my favorite scriptures is this one that Steve's putting up, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, the word says, above all else, says the wisest man who ever lived, guard your heart. This is the place where God works in your life. He's given you a new heart. But he renews our character. And he renews us as we walk with him and live with him. Sometimes God permits difficulties to deepen his work in our lives. What he's doing is he is fitting us to help others overcome their troubles too. Lazarus needed help to remove those grave clothes, and we need to let others get close enough to us to smell, to smell us. We need to share our lives with people in such a way to give them the right to speak words of kindness, gracious words, loving words into our lives that will help us remove the grave clothes. And God calls us. And Emma, you're doing it with the homeless all the time. So are you, Terry. You're helping these guys take this stuff off them. Take it off them. We're not called just to be set free. We're called to be people who set others free. It only begins as we're set free. It does not stop there. God has called us 
to be people who will put up with the smell of the grave clothes and graciously, without any accusation, without any told you so, without any tut-tut, and without gagging, <laughs> help others take those grave clothes off themselves. And in a practical way, how do we do that here? Well, we have a freedom course, and you can sign up to that at the back. And it's brilliant, because it's free people who set other people free. But the Lord is always working in our lives. And we have small groups. These are the places where we get to know one another. We, we allow people to see us in our good times. We allow them to see us in our not-quite-so-good times, because the Word tells us to bear with one another in love. But that's the place where we connect with each other. Meetings are great. God's presence is here. But we actually need the cords of human kindness too. I need you. And dare I say it, you might need me a bit too. <laughs> we need one another to grow in Christ, to be truly the people that God has called us to be. Hebrews 4 says it like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. And that means to literally stand in your shoes, not just alongside you. As it were, stand in your shoes with you, feeling what you feel, without judging you without condemning you. We've got an enemy who does that. Don't need the Lord to do it, and he doesn't. He doesn't want to. In fact, he's come to deal with those things. Who stands in your shoes as Richard, I, I get it. Come on, let's walk together. Let's walk together. He is wonderful. He is wonderful. We're so grateful. Empathy. It's not sympathy, it's empathy. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, every way, just as we are. Yet he didn't sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you notice that the fact that you need God's mercy does not disqualify you from approaching the throne of his grace? You don't wait until you no longer need mercy. The fact that you need the mercy and you know you need the mercy is the one thing that qualifies you to receive his grace and his mercy. Lord, I need you. I've mucked it up again. And I need you and I thank you, Lord. I need mercy. Forgive me, please. And I need the grace to be able to continue to walk and advance and move forward and to live in the new life that you've given to me. Our need of mercy and our recognition of our need of mercy is the only qualification you need. It does not disqualify you. Gosh, the enemy is the one who says it does. He's such a liar. He's such a liar. So when he accuses you, says, there you go again. Get your eyes off you. Get your eyes off on the Lord and tell him to get out of the way because I stand in Christ not in my track record thank you Lord I'm so grateful for that and we've sung those beautiful songs earlier about who we are in Christ let's have a look at 1 Peter 2 9 and 10 as we come to 
towards a close here. But you, dear brothers and sisters, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Quite a few of you are wearing royal purple today. A holy nation, God's special, treasured, loved possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were nobody, you weren't a people, but now you are, you are the people of God. Not becoming, you are, because that's what he says of you. You are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Colossians 3, therefore, because of that, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves not with grave clothes, but with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Let's put on what the Lord holds out for us and nothing else. And it's love that binds all of these things together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. That's a choice. That's a choice. When there's trouble, be thankful. And that's a heart that reaches out to God in praise and in worship. We need one another to bring out the best in each other, to help us to stand and be the people that God has called us to be, to recognize the treasure inside. You have a beautiful voice. And to call it up, to celebrate it, celebrate it in each other. That's our calling as church. That's our calling as the body of Christ, to give room, to give space, to give honor, to help us to be all that God has called us to be. I need your insight in my life. I need your perspective on my life. Norton's forever listening to Sarah and me talking and saying, you know, we have got a marriage course coming up. (laughs) (laughs) We need each other. I need your kindness in my life. I don't need your judgment and you won't give it to me because you're not like that. I've got an enemy who does that. Don't need that. I need your kindness. And I need you, and you need me. So just a reminder that we have sign-up Sundays for small groups coming on February the 3rd and February the 10th. We have more small groups this time in the pipeline. So please get into church. Give yourself to other people. Let other people give themselves to you. In some ways, it doesn't honestly matter a hoot what your small group is meeting to do whether it's craft or mountain climbing, it doesn't matter. It's the people that you're spending your time with. The, 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 the thing that you're doing is just a thing that you're doing. So give yourselves to that. Let's stand, please, and let's just make a response to the Lord. It's going to come up on the screen. Lord, I approach your throne of grace because I need your mercy, which is new every morning. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I am grateful. As someone who's received mercy that I didn't deserve, 
I will show mercy to others who need it too. I receive your grace too to live as you want me to live and I will show your grace towards those you've put me with. I will encourage others to taste and see that you are truly good. When the enemy tells me to wear his grave clothes, I will refuse them and I will help others to walk about in freedom. Amen. Please have a seat. So he's given you his beauty instead of ashes. He's given you his joy instead of mourning. Hold on to your beauty. Hold on to your joy. Hold on to the praise he gives you instead of despair. We need to hold on to these things. We need to celebrate them. Never take the grave clothes back. I don't do New Year's resolutions. It's a waste of time. But I just want to walk with the Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.